This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. And now, Christ in Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Thanks so much for joining our conversation today, and I want to say Merry Christmas. Hannah, I think that's appropriate here because here we are. It's like we're well into December already. How did that happen? We are, and I think it it caught me by surprise because... Thanksgiving was so late. Yes, that so is the problem. As soon as it was over, it was December 1st. And it we really didn't was. have that week that we typically have to kind of get over one holiday and move into the next right. holiday season. We're just cram it, like put them all in there. Go, go, go. Right. I felt the same way. Once Thanksgiving was done, I needed to switch gears. And first of all, I needed to recover from Thanksgiving and uh, rest up and now put my mm-hmm. my Christmas mental mind frame in place so I can get into this season. Right. Because I saw folks putting up Christmas trees and doing all of this stuff. And I kept thinking, ha. Huh, Y'all are doing this so early. Why can't you just let the holiday come? And then I was like, no, I'm late. I don't have my tree up. I don't have any lights up, no decorations whatsoever. Do you have your tree up? We don't have our tree up yet, but we have lights outside. And um, I I enjoy outdoor lights so much. I leave them on pretty much from December until about March. And I like to be the last person so that everyone else feels better about themselves. <laughs> so I love the outdoor lights and we will be doing indoor things, but I'm just now getting into it. Just now. Here we now, are, mid-December. I, I will say I did do a Christmassy thing this week. I mean, like... A legitimately, this is a Christmas thing, and it's a Christmas thing I've never done before. Oh, so I was this? kind of proud of myself. Well, I sat down, and while I was folding laundry, I watched um, a Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, well, there are plenty to choose from because I, they're I on did. their 24-7 kick. I did notice that there were a lot going on because I don't have the Hallmark Channel. So I had to like go seek this out. I, oh. I got online and well, I had seen a lot of folks talking like just like it's Hallmark movie time or oh, whatever. Yeah. And I was it like, is the countdown to Christmas, Hannah. It's 24 7, 40 new movies from now until Christmas. <laughs> so it's, it's like your real. advent calendar. Oh, so like gosh, you open a door and have a new one every oh, day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I thought, well, everybody is talking about this, and I've never actually sat down and watched a whole, or I don't know if I've ever seen part of a Hallmark Christmas movie. And so 
I felt like I needed to do it. You know, I think you did because yeah. they they offer something unique and special for the season, and everyone talks about them. So now at least you have a frame of reference for for what they are like. Because really, they follow a certain sort of narrative, and so if you've seen one, the other ones are always quite similar, but they have little twists that make them different and interesting. And I, I know people watch all of them, not mm-hmm. just one; they watch well, them all. I did try to pick one that looked representative. Now, they may all be representative, but the one I watched had a big city lawyer in it Mm -hmm. coming to a small town with an inn. And this one had the twist of a ghost. But I don't know if that's like, if that's a theme that runs through all of them. This was the spirit of Christmas, the spirit. Of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it, I have to say, it met my expectations. Oh, nice. I was not disappointed. Um, wasn't particularly surprised, but I felt like it was true to what I expected it to be. And you mm-hmm. can't say that about everything. No, no, you can't. Now, the one I most recently watched, I haven't watched a ton of them, but I have a friend who watches all of them. And so then this year, I'm like, I wonder why she watches all of them. I think I'm going to give one a shot. And the same thing. I was like, I need to settle down here and do some things. I'm going to put on this movie. I just turned to that channel to see what was playing. And it was a show called The Sweetest Christmas. And it was about a pastry chef who needed to somehow embrace the Christmas. Christmas spirit and and take a risk and enter this competition and it was her chance at love all those things that we like about Christmas because there was baking it was holiday things and there was the romance so I enjoyed it um, way more than I expected to and so I I kind of now would like to watch a few more and I have time yeah and and I found it very calming. I mean, like in the midst of the holidays that are so crazy and so busy and um, it did not ask a lot of me. And it was also the pacing was very uh, rhythmic and it was yes. very calming. And so um, I do struggle because like in my mind, I remember the Hallmark um, brand. Of course, it, it is, you know, a greeting card company, wrapping paper, that sort of thing. And uh, when I was growing up, um, there was the Hallmark Hall of Fame, which we would watch sometimes on regular broadcast television and Hallmark Company would underwrite um, productions of maybe classic books mm, or classic mm-hmm. plays and stories. And so in my mind, that was kind of what Hallmark was. The other thing that I remember Hallmark being especially associated with Christmas was um, they would put out these musical cassettes or CDs oh. eventually every year, and my mom would collect them. And so we would get the next Hallmark Oh, like a new installment of music. Uh Yes. And that's where I learned Feliz Navidad for the first time. Oh, nice. Thank you, Hallmark. Yes, yes. It was very festive compared Mm -hmm. to the music that I was accustomed to. Sure. Um, (laughs) And also the ornaments, right? So you collect the Hallmark ornaments Yeah, that's what I was most familiar with would be the ornaments. And I mean, that has to be just their bread and butter because those ornaments, they come out with so many every year and Mm -hmm. people race to collect them. So um, I think Hallmark has done a pretty good job of um, 
owning this holiday, whether it's the decorations or the entertainment, they are doing a really good job of infusing our holiday with their brand and and what they have to offer. Yeah. And it's curious to me how much it's gone from like Hallmark Christmas movies. We don't even think of it, at least in the way I approach it, not as a corporation, right? Mm -mm, It it is just wrapped up into the cultural traditions, especially in the United States. I don't know how it plays um, in other cultures, but here it's just become almost a um, second hand or like a shortcut. To, to mm-hmm. understand or capture a certain feeling or a certain experience of Christmas and the holidays. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is wrapping up for you this, um, the warmth and the nostalgia. And I, I guess what I think of it is, is, is giving you that bit of whimsy and hope. Um, there's so much about it that is focusing on the cheery side of Christmas. And really, we need that in these days. I think all of us could use a little bit of that push toward things that are um, just enjoyable and light. Like you said, it didn't require much of you, but it also was satisfying. And there's not a lot of that today. So I think Hallmark is providing something that maybe whereas a couple years ago, people would poke fun at that and say, oh, it's so not true. We don't want to watch it. I think now it's giving us a little bit of a respite. Yeah. Well, and I would have been, and maybe still am, one of those people that would poke fun at it a little bit. Yeah. Like, me too. my kids, I was telling them, I said, oh, I watched a movie today. We're at dinner, right? And they're like, well, what was it about? And I made this full-out attempt to tell the story with a straight face, with giving no indication of my feeling, just give them the straightforward Wikipedia um, explanation of the movie. And my kids were like, you've got to be kidding. (laughs) Like, mom, what did you really think of it? Like, are you, are you teasing us? Are you being, no, this is my favorite. Are you being sarcastic? And I'm like, no, I'm just telling you what the movie was, but you sound like you're being sarcastic. I'm like, no, I'm trying to be straightforward this and tell you. Real. This is for real. And so I know for them especially that they, they couldn't wrap in their mind that their mom, who they know to be a certain way, yes, would yes. watch this movie and just give this straightforward rendering of it. Um, and maybe my lack of opinion is what tipped them off, right? Sure. Because they know yes. me to have opinions about everything. But I found it interesting that their first – one of their first responses was – are you being sarcastic? Are you being mm. serious? And yet I hear people talk about watching movies like this as part of their bonding, right? It's part of oh, their yeah. Christmas community formation, their experience together. And I actually invited my daughter to watch it with me at the beginning. And she was like, mm, no, I'd rather watch something else and left mm. me alone. <laughs> Interesting that she declined the offer. I I think I get the same sort of um, interaction or exchange as I've talked about this with Mike. Um, I don't know how many guys are Hallmark movie watchers. I would love to hear from our listeners how many of the guys are into the Hallmark movies. I typically think of it as um, something crafted more for a female perspective and a female audience. Um 
but when I have told him, oh, I've watched, I watched the one and then I've seen snippets of others, when we've had the conversation, it, it's not something that's engaging for him. And and he's watched one or two with me um, over the years. And I think it's more just like, oh, it's the same story over and over. But so much of our story intake, they are similar. I mean, stories are similar. But for some reason, the Hallmark stories follow such a tight formula. I think people feel like you just insert different characters in a different town and a different job, and it's the same story. And people, I think, get tired of that. Right. And and I think that is what lends itself to critique and criticism. But I, I also think so too. But I also think that is part of its appeal. Right. It's mm-hmm. the consistency. Um yeah. I found uh when I was watching it that like I said earlier, it didn't require much of me. It was gentle. There were points when I was watching a scene be built up and developed and and you see this like camera angle or this shot and my mind kept like expecting a certain thing to happen or to follow and it mm-hmm. and it didn't because i was thinking in terms of other movies like oh interesting right so she looks at the other character and his back is turned and it, and it's kind of i'm ready for something dramatic to happen right mm-hmm. i'm ready for this he's going to turn around and there's going to be something dramatic and there wasn't there was just not these peaks these highs mm-hmm. and lows <laughs> it was more consistent and I wonder if that itself is not the appeal because there is a mass appeal. Like there would not be these many movies if people didn't love them and pay for them one way or another. And appreciate what it was that they were delivering, which is that consistency and that steadiness. And I mean, that's a lot of the reason why people go to movies is to have sort of that escape from reality. And we know that many of the movies we watch, they're not real. We know this, but we still enjoy them because they're fantastical. I don't think that's wrong. I also don't think it's wrong to have just a good story or an enjoyable story that feels a little bit more reflective of real life. And maybe that's really what it is, is that how many of your conversations build to this epic moment? A lot of them are just things that you exchange in passing, (laughs) these small conversations where you're passing each other, you see somebody, and then that's it. It's not Mm -hmm. the buildup. So I think Hallmark is giving us um, exchanges that are more true to life, even within this context of the formula where everything works out in the end, exactly how you want it to. Right, because I found it even different than your um, big screen rom-coms, right? So these would fit into the romance category, but it didn't mm-hmm. feel like the stakes were ever very high. <laughs> like sure. the yeah. worst thing that happens is she doesn't buy the inn and she goes on with her life making lots of money in the city. I mean, right. like <laughs> the stakes were not so high. And one of the things though, I think about this kind of consistency and this almost levelness to it um, I, I thought about this in terms to my favorite authors or like mm. novelists that I will return mm-hmm. to. And I have a, a handful of authors that I will read everything they write. And it's sure. mainly because I know what they're going to give me. 
And so when I enter into the book, I'm not surprised and I can just let down my guard and be delighted by it, knowing it's the exact same story that was told in the last book, just with slightly different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And well, this is the question, though. So it's it's allowing you to enter in and it's allowing you to enjoy it just like you would another story. I'm curious with these Hallmark Christmas movies, could these movies work without the Christmas backdrop? Because no. like you said, oh, sh- <laughs> because you said, oh, she could just stay in the city and make lots of money and it would probably be fine. What does that have to do with Christmas? Now, obviously, like- Hallmark's got other movies too, right? So their Christmas sure. line is not the only one, but we really associate the Hallmark Christmas movie. Totally. No. So I was thinking about this and I think that they have to be Christmas movies. And this is why Christmas is the time when we are of all the times of the year for us, we are trying to recover habits and traditions and liturgies that are consistent. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have these things that we do every year. Or these practices that are soothing to us because we know them. We pull out Mm -hmm. the same ornaments. We decorate the house generally the same. You know, we have these kinds of established, um, we do this tradition or this, this party or we go to this relatives. And that's not to say that there isn't diversity, but there is enough stability and liturgy embedded in it. That I don't think is represented at any other time of the calendar season for us in the West. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I think makes the Hallmark movie fit this time of year is its predictability, is its sense of liturgy and its sense of rhythm. And it is going to deliver what it says it's going to deliver. And you're not going to be disappointed. Right. Yes. There is something about that structure that gives us the ability to enter in without worrying about the movement or what's coming next. It's like we can um, be carried along in it without needing to drive it. And I think that's what I enjoy so much about various liturgical practices is that it's not about me making it happen. It's about following the practice and allowing in a spiritual sense, allowing God to meet me in it, um, just as he has done over the centuries. So I agree. I mean, Hallmark is, in a sense, our, our spiritual director for the holidays. And so they like, are allowing us to enter into this this sense of Christmas that we may not get other places. I am as surprised as anyone to hear me saying that a Hallmark movie is a form of liturgy. <laughs> yeah. But I think it is. I think you're right on that. I was thinking about it, especially how people talk about sharing it with other people, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And there, at least in the United States, um, our kind of holiday traditions of liturgies kind of trigger at Thanksgiving. And then Black Friday for a lot of people is a shared experience, right? Yeah. And then from there on, that's our season of 
experiencing Christmas. Now, I know a lot of purists and church calendar purists would at this point tell me that that is Advent, that is not Christmas, Mm, and that Christmas begins on the 25th and proceeds until Epiphany. I get that. That's not how the secular modern West works. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to break the established liturgies and rhythms, you have to actually work against what everyone else is doing. And so Mm -hmm. what I found fascinating is the degree to which this predictable, gentle, careful, rhythmic form of movie has become central to our rhythmic liturgical patterns that we've established not just on our own, but in community as well. That sense of community and um, the drawing in of the goodness of community, I think is so needed. Um, I think that's what I am appreciating about considering these Hallmark movies is that it is a pushback against the... um, I don't know, that independent, rogue, I'm not going to let anyone pull one over on me, the cynicism, all of that sort of mentality that I I live with that. I feel like there is a vigilance about everyday life when you are in the news and you're reading things that are going on, and you just are bracing yourself against the the things that are wrong in the world. And it's constant. I think something about liturgy pulls us out of that, that momentary stuff that is still very real. And it's, it's serious, and we should know about it, and we should be engaged. But liturgy, in any sense, is pulling us out of that moment and bringing us back into the eternal. And I think we need that. So if Hallmark is offering that, I, I think this is actually a, a pretty interesting slant. And and what's fascinating is if you think of the plot lines, right, you have this cynical, jaded, usually f- female character, right, main main character. Who, <laughs> from what I've seen. From yes. what I've seen, who is isolated from community. And the whole point is to bring her into relationship. Yeah. Now, yeah. whether or not a romantic relationship is the best you know, is the telos of our human existence or whether we are being drawn toward that. I get that kind of problematic vision, but it is Mm -hmm. this isolated, jaded, cynical person being changed and drawn into communion. And that's the whole Mm -hmm. goal of the movie, which brings up a very important question. Was Dickens A Christmas Carol the first Hallmark movie? Oh, because he was cynical and jaded, and then he had an encounter with community, and his heart changed. Right. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a similar arc in terms it of is. the person whose priorities are all out of whack, that they're yeah. not taking time off for Christmas, right? <laughs> because they're mm-hmm. so busy. Mm-hmm. And by this series of supernatural events that make no sense in reality. He is transformed and is drawn back. And and it includes kind of encounter with the love of his life at one point, you know, like kind of that. Right, right. And it is this mellowing and this kind of warning, okay, you need to change your path and actively choose the right way or you need to Mm -hmm. alter. And and I thought that was fascinating when I was watching um, the movie – I saw because it was very much that same argument. You're on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. 
You need to mm-hmm. change your priorities, and those priorities are going to be changed by an encounter with community. That was one of the notes that I had made as I was thinking about our conversation today, is that most of these movies, they are wrapped up in some bizarre chance encounter, something that you would not expect in your day. And so if you think about how we are always people of pattern in liturgy, we have our patterns and we want to live them the way we want to live them. But then something happens that you don't expect. And then something else alters your course because of that chance encounter. And you move down that path and your your life then takes on a whole new shape. So yes, we need to see that you don't have to keep on with the same patterns. You can actually have your life change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that hope aspect that I think is so strong in the Hallmark movies and why we need that, why we want that at Christmas is because we do want to know that there will be something that will come in and will alter things for us because we all want some sort of growth and change, even when we think we like our current patterns. Mm -hmm. I felt like as I watched that my initial kind of cynicism and jadedness was too easy, right? So it's too easy to approach these movies and be like, oh, it's just Thomas Kincaid sentimentality. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's there. There is kind of a denial of the brokenness and the hardness of life, and everything wraps up very neatly in the last two minutes, and everybody- Oh, timed out last two to three minutes. It was amazing. (laughs) amazing. It is amazing. Like, amazing. I kept looking at the clock when I was watching one or two of them at the end. I'm like, how are they going to fit this in? And then it's like, whoa, they just tied that up in a way that I needed a little bit more. But okay, they're done. Right. You have like 15 (laughs) seconds to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. On to the next one. (laughs) But I did find that if you can take it for what it is. And see the deeper um, kind of reasons that people respond to it, that I think it, it absolutely is a form of stability and consistency in a world that, quite frankly, has gone wild. Yeah, wild is the word there. And I would say even the wildness of how we celebrate Christmas with in terms of it being rather chaotic, I think our modern culture can make Christmas be something that is less than calming. And so I appreciate some of these things that we can enter into to settle down. I I find I need that a lot at Christmas is something that will let me slow down, settle down, collect my thoughts, and then direct them toward these things that are of greater eternal value. So sometimes it's these Christmas movies. I also... um, appreciate any sort of like Advent reading, anything that will settle me and get me focused on Christ. Mm -hmm. Because I think even the resurgence of Advent is appealing to that same kind of settling desire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Advent is not about the celebration of Christmas. It's more about the expectation and the waiting and the sitting in the brokenness, which, yeah, Hallmark movie will not help you do that. Um, but there is a rhythm and a liturgy to Advent that if only mm-hmm. for these 25 days, if you choose to participate in it, you are 
picking something different. Maybe it's just a reading, maybe it's, um, you know, devotional or some kind of habit that for those 25 days, you are forcing yourself into a more um, rhythmic mm-hmm. pattern um, a, mm-hmm. that can give you an access to that kind of consistency and stability. Well, as we wrap up this episode for our uh, Persuasion Christmas holiday series for this year, I, I'm so glad we started talking about it in this sense. Um, this has been a really fun, I think, lively sort of reflection of this approach to Christmas, which is kind of more on the the hopeful, positive, sweet side. Um, so good conversation to start. I can't wait to hear what people have to say about it. Yes, please do tell us what you think about it, especially if you are a Hallmark Christmas movie fan. Please tell us which movies we should watch. Um, obviously, we uh, kind of made an assumption that they're all the same, but... I do think maybe there are different maybe ones. there are ones that you should tell us no no this is the one you should watch um please join us in conversation you can always find us um at on twitter at persuasion capc you can join us in the members forum of christ and pop culture and you can become a member um for just a five dollar a month donation to help support these kinds of conversations and all the other good work uh that christ and pop culture is doing thanks so much to jonathan clausen he's our producer for persuasion and all the other shows in the christ and pop culture podcast network you can listen to them at christ and pop culture.com. You can go to iTunes and search for them there. But wherever you listen, it would be wonderful if you could pass the word, tell your friends, get them to listen, give us ratings and reviews online so that other people can find us. We just want the more the merrier. And make sure that you join us for the next installment of this series of Persuasion Christmas. Coming up in the next conversation, we're going to look at a diehard Christmas. So mark your calendars. You're going to want to be in for that. Thanks so much for joining the Persuasion Conversation, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.